the only podcast that deserves a spot on your Steam wish list. You're now listening to the exclamation mark. Exclamation mark podcast. My name is Crofton Steers. I am the person you are here to hear. And with me is the person who is more famous. And I'm talking, of course, about Bo Schwartz. Oh, Bo, welcome. There, what measurement can I possibly be more famous than you on? It's kind of a travesty. But you're all I'm also here for you to hear me. I really like that sentence. I'm here to hear me. Yeah. People want to hear me. They come to hear you, and then they hear me, and they're like, oh, wow, I really should have come <laughs> for this guy instead. And so that's what the ladies, uh, they say. If I had a dollar for every time someone said that to me, I'd... Have 50 cents. Um, so, Bo, uh, we are here, as we are every week, to talk about uh, the week in video games or the bi week in video games every two weeks. I still don't understand 100% how this works, but that's never stopped me from hosting a show before. Ah. Um, so, this is, as you know, right now, uh, the uh, Penny Arcade Expo East Coast, PAX East, is going on. Uh, that is one of those shows, because we both live on the East Coast, that I would very much like to attend one year, but this won't be that year. Uh, <laughs> when is it our, ever our year? We're pretty, like, not attending conventions type people. <laughs> I would love to attend a convention. It, honestly, if it was just, like, properly located close to me and, you know, took place within a very limited time frame each day, I would be all over that. Yeah, anyway. Yeah. Uh, and, the, the, like, and for those of you who maybe know where we live, which is in Ottawa, and know that there are local conventions that happen here. They're really not worth getting. Well, I don't want to be mean. <laughs> but, you know, know have, you kind of think about it. Like, I wanted to go to the Ottawa Comic Con, but then I was like, oh, it's my weekend. I'm going to sleep in. I just don't end up going. So, I'm, you know, I don't know, man. I feel like that's an excuse. Yeah, you haven't been, though. Maybe it's awesome. A lot of people You know what? Say, maybe maybe it is awesome, and maybe I'm just a lazy bum. Probably I think I'm that's more bum. likely. Yeah. Um, so yeah anyway PAX the, the other thing about PAX now is it's grown and grown and grown and it's essentially like there's announceables now that happen at it like announceables uh, <laughs> I bring those uh, in my lunch <laughs> uh, you know events that are that are um, games that are announced yeah. updates that are announced people get their hands on a bunch of games uh, I've been keeping an eye on things but I find PAX East because it's right like you know E3's around the corner People are a little less prone to announce things. If you see things, it's more on the indie side. Um, and uh, there's a couple of things I saw on the indie side that look cool, um, but nothing, nothing AAA, if yeah. you will. Here are the the biggest items for me uh, coming out of PAX that I've heard of, and I haven't been following it, but yeah. I do follow Scott Kurtz and Steve Hamaker on Twitter, and they're promoting their Table Titans and Plox comic books, which actually look real sweet. So I've seen a lot of photos of that. And there was a giant Overwatch Mack truck, a Soldier 76 and a giant, like, Bigfoot-style truck that ran over a civilian car. <laughs> and it's not funny. No one's hurt, but, like, it's sort of... Uh, On from, purpose? No, no, by, was it was an accident. Like, the, the, the idea was they have a cosplaying Soldier 76, 
uh, out there in a giant, a big, like, truck with giant, like a big foot truck, giant wheels, monster truck, and it ran over, <laughs> yeah, it ran okay. over um, a thing. The other thing I saw, too, was that the Uber drivers were on point. Apparently, all the Uber drivers had, like, cosplay cars or cosplay, like, dress up, like, they, you know, they're, you know, it's like, you're not just taking any Uber, you're taking, like, a, a cool-ass Uber, and they look man. pretty sweet, man, like, sweet cars and stuff. The Uber's all over that PR shit, eh? Yeah. Uh, the, for for me, I saw this one game. Um, IGN covered it. It's like this. Uh, I think it's a like cop beat or something. It's it's a it's like a, a pixel art style game set in the eighties. It's an adventure game where you're like this traffic cop essentially that gets embroiled into in in this larger uh, larger sort of criminal scheme. And I took a look at it, and it kind of reminded me of the original Police Quest, which I was a huge fan of. Oh, nice. And so. So yeah, it's it's got my attention for sure, uh, and so I'll I'll be interested to uh, to see that when it comes out. But again, it's like these are the type of announcements we're talking about. I just wanted to highlight as well. And by the time people listen to this episode, this is going to be over, so it's really no point. But PlayStation Network's having a flash sale um, this weekend, and it's one of those mm-hmm. things where it's like. There's no real way to plan for these flash sales, I don't think. But when they happen, they're they're extremely competitive to what a, a, a big sale that Steam would have, you know. And I I end up in these situations where I see these games and they're like seventy five percent off, mm-hmm. and um, and I think shit, should I just buy the PlayStation Four version, even though I could get maybe a um, I have a you know powerful PC, a nicer version on the PC. Like I'll give you an example, Wolfenst- that the Wolfenstein, the New Order, or whatever the game that you liked, that's out. Uh, like I can get that for ten bucks, pretty much on on PlayStation Four right now, which, which good deal. I'm sure it would look as good. But I have to play it with a controller as opposed to, say, a mouse and keyboard or whatever. Well, the game is definitely so, more fun with mouse and keyboard, but ultimately it's a good game. I've... Yeah, I know. But that's the exact, That's what I mean. These are the decisions I have to make. Like these games, I see them and I'm like, oh, but do I want to play the console version or do I want – there's some games that are exclusive to the, the PlayStation platform and those ones I'm more likely to bite on. But like, like another one is that Alien game, uh, Alien uh, whatever, you know, the one with the, the – the good one, uh, the one, Alien Isolation. Yeah, yeah, that's like ten bucks or oh, something. Man, I gotta play I've... that game. That's one. I, cause speaking of games, I own and haven't played. Yeah, that seems like a sweet one. Like if I own that, if I own that one, I would, I would for sure play it. But, um, but yeah, again, I, I held off because I was like, oh, you know, I feel like I should play that on PC. Anyhow, that that sale's going on now. There's also some PS2. Uh, remaster HD remasters. I might look into uh, picking up a couple of those for like five bucks. Uh, so if you're if you get this message, well, it's already too late unless you're watching the live stream. In which kudos, you can go on and check out the PSN flash sale. But I think that the, the telltale thing here is if if you don't desperately want something on the PlayStation Network, like if you don't if, if there's a game that just comes out, you want to buy it, buy it for sure. But if you don't desperately want something, then wait for the weekends. Every once in a while, they'll have these sales, and you'll feel like a fool for not waiting because uh, the deals are so good. Anyway, that's my little pitch. These are, all, these are all downloadable games off the PSN network, right? Yeah, all downloadables, yeah. But the PSN network is pretty much – like everybody downloads on console now anyway. Yeah, do they? I guess – Most people. That would be an interesting conversation to have anyways at some point. To, to, or information to know is how many people actually still buy box copies. It must be smaller. 
Um, With that said, let us move into the more newsy section of the show. But I am talking, of course, about readme.txt. Readme.txt. Man. Readme.txt. You know, when we now that we do the show once every two weeks, a lot of news piles up. I got lost down a rabbit hole today looking for just things of interest. And I'm trying to be good about not talking about every single piece of news out there on the show because we only have so much time. Just the things it's, I'm most interested in. But It's funny that you say that because I found that this two weeks, I look back on it, like looking at big broad strokes in the gaming world. Last time we were talking about the big the big VR had just dropped. And this this week I look at it and I just, the past two weeks I'm like, man, there's nothing to talk about really substantial. No. Like the stuff that I'm going to end up highlighting here is 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 relatively minor stuff. But you wouldn't uh, you wouldn't think that unless you were scrutinizing, say, the news for your own show because you steal every you steal all your news from. You know, well, I'm not breaking news. I'm editorializing. Well, I, I, what I'm saying is like the news sites are all like, oh my god, five billion story like. This guy says I maybe there'll be a game, and it's like a, a thousand-word article about it. Or look, something. look, here's here's the thing, Bo. You have lamented this yourself countless times. Yes, there are a ton of stories. Rocket League is in The Witcher partnering, and now there's going to be a Witcher pendant antenna on in Rocket League. Whoopty fucking do! In the end, nobody gives sure. a shit about those stories. They're just too. They're minor. I might be like, oh, that's kind of interesting. I'm not even going to click on it. I'll read the headline. Like, I'm looking for big news. If I'm going to editorialize, I want to editorialize on shit that's happening, you know? Like, VR. That was... If you you editorialize on crap, you end up with crap. Is that what you're trying to say? That's what I'm trying to say. All right, man. You're an editorialization master. All right, well, let's editorialize. Let's get get it going. You want to do your... Okay. What do you want to do first? You you do one. You do one. We'll we'll go back and forth. We'll do a... um, just uh, do patty it. cake, patty cake. All right, Borderlands three confirmed by Gearbox. 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 Speaking of non news, like like there surprise, was any question, surprise. Even though the pre sequel was kind of unfortunately a bit of a turd, um, I'm happy was to it? hear this. Well, I owned it and I played it, and I didn't. It just can't. Isn't get it? Back the, into it's it. the same, right? It's just more Borderlands. It's, it's, it's missing. It's Borderlands. It's missing something. It's missing. I don't know, making you want to play it, if that makes any sense. Like, well, like, let's, let's look. If, if you look at the Borderlands series, Borderlands 1, if I, and I have not played it yet, own it, because I started with 2 based on your recommendation. But 1 is is pretty bare bones. It's like almost a prototype to what comes next, if I understand yeah, correctly. Yeah. 2 is the main event. It's got, like, all sorts of expansions. It's totally loaded. It's a huge, amazing game. And the pre-sequel is disappointing when compared to 2, but it's probably better than 1, right? I guess. It's missing character. Like, it feels really just... It wasn't funny. It wasn't engaging I, I found a lot of what carried me in borderlands 2 when the level stuff seemed a little simple was that it was freaking funny it was always funny it managed to hit the high notes the whole way through and it kept going so i don't i think something the special sauce is not in the pre-sequel i it, if someone asked me should i buy it i would say no play borderlands 1 and 2 and skip the pre-sequel just don't bother with it 
It's funny uh, because um, I recently played Tales from the Borderlands, which I think is being re-released this month as a full package or maybe a disc in stores. I'm not quite sure. But Tales from the Borderlands is essentially in terms of I would say is maybe my favorite Borderlands thing. And and I'm not saying that I would replace Borderlands 2 with it. It's a total different type of experience. But it gave me a much greater appreciation for the world creation involved in Borderlands. And and it honestly raises the bar for something like Borderlands 3. And Borderlands 2 had things like the um, that, that expansion pack with the, uh, the D&D um, uh, uh, Tiny Tina. That, in the end, had sort of like an emotional core to it without spoiling it. it it's all... That whole scenario happens for a reason relating to events that happens in the game and how characters are dealing with those events. So they, Borderlands 2 even was already pretty good with the story, but Tales from the Borderlands takes it to the nth degree, like really, really well yeah. done and yeah. hilarious. And so Borderlands 3, for me, I am excited, but like it, it, it's the bar is being raised by Telltale. Oh, and that's interesting to hear because I'm actually really looking forward to watch or playing that edition of the game. Like the the Telltale take on the Borderlands world seems really interesting to me. So yeah, I'm 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 stoked that you say real positive things about it because I do. I'm looking forward to playing it. But it's also it's just it, for me, Borderlands Three is a no brainer. It's it's great. Gearbox announced it. Uh, my 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 expectations for it are low, and I'll tell you why. Just a couple of things. One. Gearbox tends to make crap except for Borderlands. So, like a lot, a lot. If you look at the other games, they don't make many, very many good games. In fact, they're known for disappointments. And then you talked recently about pre sequel and all that, and I know that's made by Two K something or other. Yeah. But bottom line, is, Battleborn is what? also not shaping up to be too exciting. We'll have to so, see. But yeah, yeah. My my uh, like Randy Pitchford and Gearbox and have no offense, guys, but for me, you're. You, You've hit lightning in a bottle once, really, with Borderlands Two. That's that's how I see it, and uh, and so so that my expectations for the Borderlands Three is is tempered by by that. It's also tempered by the fact that I honestly don't know what that they what they can do much more than has already been done in in the Borderlands world, and honestly. I played a lot of Borderlands 2. I could replay it. I didn't even play all the expansion packs to it. I didn't play the pre-sequel. I didn't play one. If I wanted Borderlands, I could play that now. So what are they bringing to the table in Borderlands 3 that is new? The cel-shaded graphics have aged well. I I don't I don't know what what they're bringing to the table. Like what's what's so great about Borderlands Three? It's gonna have to be a good story. It's gonna have to be good comedy, good story, and the gameplay. You know, the chaotic gameplay where you know the Gunzerker's ultimate is sticking his middle fingers up at people. Like it's gotta have it's gotta have that. I didn't feel very like any of the characters in the pre-sequel were cool, but I think they can make cool characters. I think Claptrap, he was in the pre-sequel. He's playable. Yeah. It just, he was a good character. I don't think he's fun to play. Like it almost feels like, Hey, let's wonder what it's like to be president Barack Obama. Let's make a joke video game or something. And then like, nobody plays it. Cause nobody really wants to, you know, does that makes sense. What I'm saying about a sort of, like, he's better as a side character. He's better as a president and not as, I mean, not Claptrap. Yeah. Please do not make Claptrap a president of anything. He will ruin it always. Um, all right. So what do you got, man? So, okay. I just wanted to talk briefly because in the past two weeks, there's been quite a few 
uh, big new releases that have come out, yeah. some of which that interest me, some of what don't as much. feels like everybody and their mother on Twitter are talking about Dark Souls 3 right now, which is pretty funny because I'm playing Bloodborne, uh, as I'll talk about again more later, which is, you know, the Dark Souls 3 of last year. Essentially, everyone at th- this time last year was talking about Bloodborne, so I'm only a year late to the party. Hey, everybody, this is a podcast you listen to a year late, and it'll be awesome and cutting edge. Um, but but aside from Dark Souls 3, um, it feels like there's been a sizable amount of disappointments released recently. Like the Wii U is, is, is dead man walking at this point. They've ceased production. The Zelda that comes out, we all know, is going to be co-released with whatever their next console is. So so Star Fox Zero, which had been supposed to was supposed to be one of their big fall games last year and got bumped right. to this year. It was being co-designed by Shigeru Miyamoto, who normally whenever he touches anything, it's gold or whatever. And so it came out and and let's face it, Nintendo releases are normally kind of AAA releases. Their own first party releases tend to be of high quality. Although that has been shifting over the past twelve months. And so this is, I guess According to the reviews, it's it, again, it's more Star Fox. Un- unfortunately, um, Star Fox was originally released as a technical marvel in the 1990s, and we are in the close to 2020. You know, like uh, Star Fox is no longer a technical marvel. Um, and even back then in the 90s, it took you what? Two hours to finish Star Fox. It's true. So I, it was not a long game. No, and and it, again, it's it's supposedly a little bit longer, and there's some hidden bosses and some alternate shit. But it's kind of like it's an on rail star shooter. I mean, there's that market to sell it for like I don't know fifty sixty bucks. I don't know what they're selling for, but it's probably a full place price triple A. Seems seems to me like we're we're now past that point. It's not the Super Nintendo N sixty four days. Like there are games like Dark Souls three on the counter yeah. next to it. Eve you know, Valkyrie is like the technical Marvel game. Like even if it's not that great, it's going to be remembered for being like a launch title for virtual reality and it's in the yeah. commercial, wide commercial launch, you know what I mean? You've got your Eve Valkyries and Elite Dangerouses. Now, I know Star Fox with its characters and all that. It's it's aimed, obviously, at a younger audience in this. But at the same point, I just think that the, the concept behind Star Fox may have passed its best before date. And that's what everybody is kind of saying. They they managed to iterate on Zelda and revamp Zelda and the same with Mario over and over again. They've never successfully really done that with Star Fox. They've just kind of updated it slightly, and this sounds like that again. So anyway, fairly disappointing release. On the Microsoft side, um, Microsoft side, Quantum Break came out, and it was a it, it's made by Remedy, which is who made um, Alan Wake and Max Payne. And I was sort of anticipating that they would do a really good job. Again, the reviews are are fairly middling for it. It's selling. It sold pretty well. Um, it it again it's makes a marketing me wonder... darling though. That's the thing, right? Wh- why? Well, I mean, because everyone knows Quantum Break has been everywhere and mentioned everywhere. It's going to generate sales because of it. Also, it's like the traditional like white boy protagonist <laughs> power power 
Uh, you get a bunch of time powers and all that sort of stuff. Like it sells to mm-hmm. essentially the the stereotypical gamer dude that Microsoft would be has been chasing for the past twenty years. So so I mean like to that extent, I I, I think that it works well. It's just like Re- and Remedy has like always that's always been sort of their bread and butter um, protagonist. It's just for me, uh, I I was hoping that the reviews would be kinder. Than they were. I may still check it out because this is the thing. It released concurrently, concurrently on Windows at the same time as it released on Xbox One. Again, proving that really, if you have a powerful Windows PC, you in no way need an Xbox One. Like there is like two games, Sunset Overdrive and Halo, that that are exclusive to Xbox One. And there's talk about Sunset Overdrive coming to uh, PC, but every other game. It, all their big releases seem to come out day and date or just slightly afterwards on PC. So I have no idea why you would ever need to buy an Xbox one if you have a good computer. So, um, especially now with the, there's no, there's no like, Oh, you can only use these controllers in the Xbox. Like there's nothing, there's no reason aside from the UI. And I think that's why they made their big pitch to integrate it into like television and film to make it an entertainment center because PCs, they can be entertain whoa entertainment centers. Most people don't know. Like I have a PC hooked up to my TV. That's how I watch TV. It's through my PC. Most people don't do that. The majority of people do not hook a PC up to their TVs and, and go. They ha- they need some box. They need a box with the thing. And that's why they that's why they were not favored when PlayStation Four was like yeah we're all about gamers and Xbox is like because. You know, Microsoft knows they, they they want their cake and eat it too. Like you can't have a console and make the PC awesome. That's I think time. the big the yeah the big problem is is they're trying to sell two things at once: Windows 10 and Xbox One. And uh, so to sell Windows 10, they're like, hey, looking at these games, you want the new Gears of War remake? You want Quantum Break? You want Rise of the Tomb Raider? Oh, you can get it on Xbox One. You can get it on Windows 10. At the end of the day, you could argue they're making money both ways, but they're really cannibalizing their console market in the end is what they're doing. They're making it an unnecessary – like you could have a PS4, get the PlayStation exclusives, and then and then you could get the Windows, uh, the Xbox exclusives on your on your computer. So now, speaking yeah. of PlayStation exclusives, Ratchet and Clank was, uh, was released today or this week and um, – it's sort of a remake, reinvention of that series. Have you ever played any of the Ratchet and Clank? Nope, zero, zero uh, experience at all with uh, the Ratchet and Clank. See, I they started in PlayStation Two, and I always really wanted to play them. They, I, I like mascot games often, and uh, this one was a shooter, and they had great commercials where it was always about the ridiculous guns and stuff like that, and 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 uh, shrink rays and and blastomathons or whatever. But but they had so many sequels. Like there were so many Ratchet and Clanks. And and whenever they come out, and I know that it's probably not story heavy, whatever, but when they when they were at like eight sequels, I was like, Well, I can't jump in now. I need to go back to the beginning to figure out what the hell's going on. So essentially they've remade the first one for PlayStation 4 supposedly has the most amazing graphics. People who've seen it in motion say it's ridiculously good graphics. Looks like a Pixar movie come to life, which makes sense because there's also Ratchet and Clank the movie coming to theaters this month. And supposedly this game, a remake of the original Ratchet and Clank plus extra content from the movie 
Um, it's, it's supposed to be good, and maybe it's the moment that I'll be able to like. It's a gateway for people like me that missed the chance to check out the series. Yeah. Uh, so like, I, I'll I'll be keeping my eyes open for that. Of course, I'm a cheap ass bastard, so I'll be waiting for it to be on sale. I probably obviously. will check out the movie at some point. A feature film's being made of Ratchet and Clank. Yeah, that's what I said. Yeah. But the the thing is, a Ratchet and Clank uh, movie may actually end up being the one to break the video game curse. Uh, I think it'd be really funny if it was like an animated, an animated film based on a PlayStation mascot type characters <laughs> that is the one that finally gets good reviews from you know critics. There's, and... a, there's a Lego movie that got good reviews, so you know if we can do it for toys, we can do it for video games. Although I kind of I'm rooting for Warcraft to beat the thing. Although that latest trailer, oh boy, that soundtrack, uh, not looking good. Yeah, uh, I I step in my Warcraft trailer. Somebody, uh, somebody. Uh, I hope for your sake it does, but my my expectations are low. Um, last one. This is maybe. Did you ever play uh, Final Fantasy Nine? No, and actually, I saw it on Steam. It's available on Steam, right? Yeah, that's it, it's available on Steam. And SquareSoft is known for like cheap ass ports and rebasters, like really garbage. Like you'll look at these their games on Steam. And then you'll read the user reviews, and it's everybody's like, "This is a great game, but this port sucks." Everybody says that all the time. Well, people aren't doing it for this. It's being remastered in 1080p, and uh, and the character like it looks it looks nice and stuff. And I missed Final Fantasy IX, and our friend Mike Hodgins always tells me how much he enjoyed it and how it was a really amazing Final Fantasy. And uh, I'm sort of I miss Final Fantasy a bit, and I feel like everybody has their high expectations for Final Fantasy 15 or whatever, but I really don't think they'll be able to recapture the magic of the Final Fantasies of my youth. So maybe I should go back to one that I just totally missed back then uh, and give it a shot. So I'm tempted to uh, to pay the cash for this and, and, and give it a shot. I just don't know if I have the, the time to invest because those games take forever. I would say, and that, this is the trouble with Steam, I would say wait until you know for sure because I, I bought Final Fantasy X2 and I played X or 13, sorry, not X. Final Fantasy 13 I bought and I played on PC. But I didn't do it. I bought X 13 2, sorry, and never I haven't touched it yet. I still have it there to play, but it's just a question of time. So I I wait till you know that you're ready to, you know, finish Bloodborne basically. Yeah, that would be that would be what I have to say about that. Um, well, what do you have to say about other news stories, Bo? Um well, do you know who John Romero is? He wanted to make me his bitch once. <laughs> well, they released um, a questionably cheesy and uh, painful trailer where I can't remember who it was, but it was another id software guy is basically like Ray from from Star Wars, The Force Awakens at the end of the film. If you haven't seen it, sorry, it is available on Blu-ray now, so you should have seen it by now. Um so he walks to find, you know, Luke, who's George Romero with his long hair. And he's just like standing there. But it's so poorly and cheesily done. Like, it's not good. It's not like they even tried to make it anywhere. Like, they found a location that looks like meditative, meditative, like like in Star Wars. But that's about it. And what they, are they trying to promote? So John Romero is making a game. There'll be an announcement April twenty third, I think, maybe tomorrow, or it has happened already. I haven't. I was on the site, I didn't see anything. I don't know. There's some announcement of an announcement. So it's this guy walking up to you know 
the Luke Skywalker of video games, John Romero, <laughs> to to like find out that get the training or come back and make games great again, Trump style. It's real bad. It's real bad. But anyways, John Romero is making things again. And if you have any bets you need to call in or whatever, we're letting you know. Uh, <laughs> I still don't forgive him for Die Katana. I Did you ever play that? It. I just know it by reputation. But it sucks. It sucks. Yeah, he does have great hair, though. I will give him that. I, I will say, like, I like the man's hair. But well, that's something. Yeah. Um. <laughs> that's all right. Uh, what else? Gears of War four. Hey, they're making a Gears of War four, and there's a trailer. Have you seen it? I have seen a trailer for Gears it's of War four. The one 4. with Marcus Phoenix, where he's planting the tree. Yeah. It's a minute yeah. long. It's real short, but you get the impression that the new protagonist is going to be his son. Yeah, to, JD in, Phoenix, in, whoever, whatever JD stands for. And it, it's funny because when I see when I see those Gears of War games, the trailers. Because I was watching the trailer and I was like, not tearing up, but I was like, oh man, because I forget what music track is playing. But it's the trailer was. I remember being like, this is an awesome trailer. But then all the Gears of War trailers are awesome, and they make the story feel so epic. But then when you're playing the game, they're like, Dom. Change all that motherfucker. You know, like, yeah. it's just like, it's not at all it's so, it's sort so, of. It's so bromancy and not like. I saw violent. people like, because, um, okay, I, I don't want to spoil too much. Well, whatever. It's been 10 years or whatever since Gears of War 3 came out. In Gears of War 3, Marcus Phoenix's best buddy slash co-op partner Dom gets killed. And, uh, and in it. He, he whatever gives Marcus Phoenix his knife, and in the trailer for Gears of War Four, Marcus Phoenix is carving initials on a tree or whatever. Oh, and he's JD's using initial, knife. and he's using Dom's oh, knife. Oh. And I was like, oh, that's so sweet. Oh, I didn't catch like, that detail. Oh, I nice. mean, it's yeah. So anyway, uh, Gears of War Four again. This will be that that test with the the Windows versus Xbox One because they released the remastered Gears of War One on Windows as well. If they release Gears of War Four on Windows, I'm all set. But if they release it exclusively for Xbox One, I'm gonna be pissed. Yeah, yeah. They, I know. I want it on PC too. This is. I'm not buying Xbox One to play Gears of uh, War. Yeah, I did that I, the well, first time. I, I say I won't now, but who knows? Yeah. If that game is real awesome, it'll be hard to keep away. But I don't know. I feel like I got a lot of alternative options. I will say this. There hasn't been a game since that has mastered how fun Active Reload is, except for that game. I love Active Reload in Gears of War. It's satisfying. And the it Roadie was. Run. The Roadie Run is amazing. Why there's no why people haven't tried to copy this in their games is beyond me, because the Roadie Run is amazing. Well, speaking of copying, one of the things, one game that's often accused of copying Gears of War, although it was developed around the same time as Uncharted, and uh, Uncharted 4 is coming out really soon. I have it pre-ordered. And uh, another game that's coming out really soon is uh, the Witcher 3 Blood and Wine expansion pack. And uh, I've been following this closely and it's going to introduce a whole giant new area one that looks a very colorful nice sort of like france france almost uh <laughs> very uh like par- parties bourgeoisie all that okay. sort of stuff okay. I, I anyway it looks cool I, i'm stoked for it but like as you guys know i i played uh the last expansion i got into it a little bit i know it's awesome but then i was like okay you know i played a lot of witcher 3 i'm gonna move on to other games i'm gonna come back to this i haven't come back to it yet part of part of me is being like i'm gonna wait till the full expansions come out but when when that next one comes out i don't know like 
it feels like getting back with the Witcher is like getting back with an ex girlfriend or something. Like feels the level of commitment seems very high for you me. You know, you know that the ex girlfriend's gonna be high maintenance. So as much fun as you would have, you also loathe all of the maintenance and things that you'll have Just, to do. She's gonna require a lot of my time, is what I'm saying. Because Uncharted Four, I know I'm gonna come in. I'm gonna have a really you'll, you'll Uncharted also Four have is to like play tons of Gwent though. Uncharted 4 is it? There's going to be new Gwent cards. Uncharted 4 <laughs> is like a one night stand or like maybe like just like a hot summer oh, romance or something. Yeah. Whereas Witcher 3 is like a, a big relation. It's like getting remarried again, you know? So. Wow. You I know. Your, you make your marriage sound terrible. I'm sure it's not. No, no, no. I'm comparing <laughs> it to the greatest video game of all time. I'm, I, oh, nice. It did win a lot of awards. It's true. Um, I'm looking forward to hearing all about your adventures in The Witcher. I will not need to play that game. <laughs> I tell you about like again the, the issue I'm having is do because I have all my Witcherness on PS4 right now, right. and I really now I have that sweet PC. I really feel like this is a g- game that I should be playing on PC. But at the same point, it's like I all my character, all my stuff, like I can't transfer it over. So I might as well, I guess, just buy the expansion on PS4 and keep trucking. You know. Yeah. Well, it's. Uh... First world problems. First world problems. You'll have to give that some thought. But I, I'd say just keep playing on what you have. Because you have a character saved up. Um, what's this PlayStation Neo? Is that the 4K thing that's coming down the pipe? So, yeah, we talked about this last week. These sort of mid, mid-generation um, consoles. And uh, more details have come out. PlayStation's clearly going to announce this at E3. But the co- Neo is the project name for this thing. Essentially, what it is, it, it, so we uh, so we've heard so far, is a PlayStation four point five. It's got more horsepower, and uh, um, there's talk about it perhaps being necessary for PlayStation VR. Uh, it will be able to display in four K, but um, more importantly. Every game that is released now for PlayStation 4 will be have to include like Sony will demand that every developer includes a Neo mode, which is essentially an enhanced version of the game. So it, it like in PC, if you went into the graphical sex, sections and it's divided like, you know, low, medium, whatever, blah, 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 blah. Now there will be two tiers on PlayStation. There will be normal and there will be uh, Neo for mm. every game that comes out. And games that are already released have been told like developers have been given a heads up and they can patch the games to add Neo modes if they want to. Say Bloodborne I'm playing right now. Has been there have been complaints about the length of loading times already. They've patched it enough to address a lot of that. But uh, if they wanted to take advantage of the extra power of this Neo, they now could. Oh, interesting. Well, so I guess it sounds a little bit like what we did talk about in the last episode, where it's like these upgrade packs. So, do you have to buy a brand new system for Neo? Is this a new purchase? Now, they haven't, again, they haven't formally announced. It sounds like, yes, you are buying a new PlayStation, uh, the PlayStation 4 Neo or whatever the final name is. However, you know, it is possible that they say, oh, also, for those who already have a PlayStation 4, you could buy this expansion pack to expand your system to Neo, like the N64 did, you know, or whatever. Like, it's possible that they do that. 
and if they do, my opinion changes significantly. Um, but if if they are essentially fragmenting their market and they're guaranteeing, they're saying like, oh no, all new games will work with all PlayStation 4s. It's just like if you want the sweet dealio, you're gonna get the Neo, you know that or whatever. Mm. So I mean, it's it's kind of it's you know it makes. It well, seems like they, corporate they, greed. Yeah, they they know that they know gamers, and they want gamers want the best possible experience. So it's going to feel requisite for a lot of people that are passionate about their games on PlayStation. Yeah. I it'll be interesting to see how things end up. Like because right now there's a big install base of PlayStation Four owners. How many of them are going to upgrade? Um, is it worth the extra development money? Because I I wonder often like. You know, some some games seem limited by the hardware, so it seems like they could use more powerful. It'd be easier for them to make more powerful, to work on more powerful hardware. And yeah. others might feel like that they're already pushing to full capacity, just getting a PlayStation Four AAA game and pushing to a Neo setting, maybe cost more of their resources so who knows what uh what they'll end up being and the thing that that i'm a little concerned about is you see at the end of console generations is when the best quality games come out like with the best graphics and all that because they've really learned how to harness the systems i think of like at the end of the last game cycle grand theft auto 5 and the last of us and all that sort of stuff seems like the most powerful games for each system come out near the end of the system it was like donkey kong country on super nintendo was near the end you know uh, all that all that sort of stuff they figure out all the tricks but now it feels like game developers won't do that or won't be forced to do that because they're just oh now there's like there's the neo so we can just you know make a shit regular version and have it <laughs> look nice on the neo you yeah. know all the trailers you're going to look at now all the stuff they're going to release to promote their games they're always going to be showing the neo version they're never going to show the original version you know then think, you'll play it you'll be like this didn't look like the commercial i think the thing is the pc platform is competing with it more hardly or more challengingly now too like that's like as a developer do you want to learn the nuances of playstation 4 or would you rather just make a playstation 4 version and let it be what it's going to be you know like it, like if you're a console exclusive developer like like naughty dog then yes you do but like i think a lot of the developers are going to develop for all platforms and they're never going to get there but most developers develop first for playstation 4 and then port to other systems including pc so like i mean the PlayStation – and that's why it's annoying because PlayStation 4 is the king right now. They're the top of the mountain. They're top dog, right? Everybody like – people when The Division came out, all the PC people were like, this fucking sucks. And they, we were we were screwed because they developed for console first and blah, 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 blah. And, and that does – that honestly does happen because it's the easy – you know, like that's where the big market is. That's where the big money is. Um uh, and it's just like I feel like PlayStation would not have done this had they not been the kings. Had Xbox been the kings this generation, maybe Xbox would have done it. Who knows? But PlayStation's doing this because they're winning. That's why. They're winning so they can set the rules. And uh, I almost would like to see them get burned by it, you know, somehow, that Xbox gets gets a, a leg up because now they've split their market. But I think Xbox is going to do the same thing in response. So it's just going to be a whole lot of confusion. No, I'm glad I'm staying out of this one, everyone. I, I'm, I'm 
pretty much resolved not to buy a console right now. Probably but see, I the thing, the it, thing so, about it too, Bo, though, is that like in PC, the PC world, everybody's used to that shit. Like you go into a game and there's graphical settings and they have they have yeah, low, no, medium, hard yeah. and all that sort of shit. The, the, the reason this is such a big fucking deal is because console gamers have always worked with the idea that you get a you make a purchase you're good for you know 6 7 years with a machine that's every game is going to look the same it's going to perform the same it's going to you don't have to worry about tinkering with any shit or whatever like and and now it's a slippery slope now they've added one extra tier you know so yeah well that oh well i still I'm still glad i'm out of it basically <laughs> at this point when's playstation 5 coming all right um let's see moving all right along oh hang on one second does this neo thing does it have the 4k is that what's also being talked about I, it I will heard it, yeah, about it'll it. be the only playstation version i would imagine that would be able to support 4k display playstation 4 does not right now that sounds that sounds like a value add worth looking at i will say well like and if it was just that that's something completely different but like that each game has a neo mode i mean that's that's where it gets gets my goat a little bit, you know. Like, uh, it's not like it, the difference is just 1080p or 4K. It sounds like they're they're adding bells and whistles and whatever. So it's funny because like I'm used to playing on PC where where a lot of the times I don't have the best graphics or I don't have whatever, and I just you know I just deal with it. It's really an OCD mentality that means that oh I have to have the best. I have to have you know Uncharted 4 is going to be the best version of it, you know. Like, uh, no. but it really. It's really OCD almost, you know? Why can't I deal with the regular PlayStation 4 version of Uncharted 4? I'm sure it will be amazing. I'm sure it will be too, but uh, they don't want to make your life easier, and they don't want to make your bank account's life any easier either. So, um, All right, so wrapping up the news real quick. Got a few more items to run through. Uh, Crofton, you like Danny O'Dwyer? I do quite like him. I have respected his journalistic work in the past for GameSpot. So he's doing a three-part GameSpot series all about Overwatch. So it's a game you're curious about. And I've seen two of the three videos in the series, and they talk about the fall of Titan because that was a canceled project over at Blizzard. Um, and Overwatch sort of rose from the ashes of it. And uh, it's real good. So I'm just tossing is, out a little record. Is it a fluff piece? Um, kind of. Like, it's a piece of Cause, marketing. Because when I... Yeah, that's what I see. When I go to GameSpot the past few days and I've seen this, I was like, oh my... I didn't know Danny O'Dwyer was doing it, but I'm like, money has changed hands here. This is this is just a giant blowjob to Overwatch. I'm like, for... You know? Yeah, so I, I, have, I haven't watched it. I'm interested in playing the game, but... but they, they do talk about some interesting stuff. It's not like... Because they talk about the cancellation specifically of of the game and how like most of the people on the overwatch development team haven't released a game in 10 years like they don't have credit to anything so they do talk a little bit about some of those difficulties so it's it's not all that this game is tough. great they do talk about like some some interesting aspects without going into details because it's a corporation and they can't reveal probably only so much about the story but still it's like it's it's all right it's daniel dwyer so he asks decent questions and has a decent point of view on it for a fluff cool. piece, it, but it is, I guess, uh, whatever it was you called it. You know, at the end of the day, Overwatch, pretty good game. And there's I called it a giant blowjob to Blizzard. <laughs> I game spot. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, check it out. It's good. Um, I I will. Yeah, that's also, a good endorsement. I didn't know Danny O'Dwyer was working. If you're a Hearthstone fan, you already know this news, but just kind of want to share for those casual people. Um, there's a new expansion coming out called Whisper of the Old Gods. I think it releases on Tuesday, April twenty uh, sixth. And the big deal here 
is that um, you're going to get some free stuff for logging in. Don't have to buy a single pack. You log in during the first week of the expansion, you get three free packs. You get five packs if you win two games in standard format, five more packs if you win seven, and you get a free legendary. So that's actually pretty significant monetary value there. I think it's like, I don't know, 20 or 30 bucks worth of content. So if, if you do like playing that game you, and you play it occasionally but not enough to keep up with it, check it out. Just log in this I, week. I have a question for you, Bo, because I think there may be a bunch of players like me now. Okay, so I played Hearthstone a lot at launch. I was really into it. Then I was into it all the way through its first like expansions and then Naxxramas and the Goblins and Gnomes or whatever. And then around Goblins and Gnomes, I was like, all right, I played this game enough. I moved on to other games and all this sort of stuff. But it was always on my radar or something. Oh, I go back to. But meanwhile, the news keeps rolling out. Oh, new expansion, new expansion. Oh, these cards or this is changing or this is gone and this is new and this is added. And now I, I feel almost like intimidated to go back to it because I'd be like, oh, now it's way, it's way past where somebody like me could just roll back into it. Oh, is is that fair, or is it really just like have they like if I if I started up not having started it up for a year, what what's going to happen? Is it going to be easy for me or? Um, well, like- so one of the deals is that um, the the older cards get cycled out. So so like um, goblins versus gnomes is no longer in standard format. So if you miss getting those cards, then no big deal. You're fine. But your classic cards, the one you unlock for free and the one you're in out of basic packs, they'll never be out of style. You'll always be able to use them. So really, the number of cards you'll need is from still a very limited pool. But I mean, yes, you are going to be outgunned by by people who play regularly who have all so, the cards. So all the all the expansions that have happened since Goblins and Gnomes, like like say my decks are all made, I have a bunch of decks made with with. Goblins and Gnomes cards. All of a sudden, if I log into Hearthstone tomorrow, those decks are no longer any good for the main competitive mode. But there's a wild competitive. There's two competitive modes, and there's a ranked ladder for wild too. So if you want to play with those cards, you still can in a meaningful way. Just sounds like there's a fairly the barrier to entry to this game for for players that have played it before but taken a long time off might be higher than. Than probably, I, yeah, I think like, like uh, yeah, TCGs in general are kind of rough to get into, and I think Hearthstone probably does a better job of making it more accessible than most. But yes, you you are behind. Like this is a lifestyle. All TCGs, all major ones, are like lifestyle games. Like you need to be playing them somewhat regularly, even if it's once a week, to keep up with it and have the things that you need for it and all that kind of good stuff. So. Yeah, no, I, I guess that's so. It's like it's a lifestyle. But you know, arena draft is very much pick up and go. And as long as you grind out the gold to get free entries, it's free to play. And that's a level playing field. You don't have to own anything to play arena. And arena is sort of my preferred mode to play the game. Hmm. Yeah. I always enjoyed arena. Arena's good. You like playing hunter in arena, right? Let's speak of other things that we enjoy, Bo. Yeah. In a segment that we like to call games per minute. You always talk making kids minds like vegetables talk about them out on the street smoking pot this is games per minute how do you feel about cutting his head off it's games per minute where we talk about the games we've been playing and now mr crofton i think we've been playing the same games over the past two weeks if i'm looking at our notes here correct i like 
I'm definitely yeah. I've been playing Bloodborne, uh, which is what I started playing uh, last time. Last time we talked about this, I was at the first boss of the game, and so I, I'm much you know I'm further along. I don't I don't know how much further. I don't have a ton of time to play, but as I play, like my appreciation for the game grows. Like honestly, I've read a lot about this game before. I played Demon Souls before. It's it's clearly not for everyone, but it really it really works for me. Like I find it really enjoyable. Um, I like the challenge. I like the level design. I like the creature design. It does feel like a game that should be on a more powerful system, either like a a PC or PlayStation Neo, whatever. Like I feel like the, the sometimes it chugs, uh, and I don't normally notice that sort of thing. Um, I find that like the draw like. The draw distance, some of the background skyboxy stuff isn't as sharp as maybe it could be. Yeah. I find that like um, – the, the, I just feel like overall it could use a little bit extra horsepower, the loading times and all that sort of stuff. That said, as a game, it's it's really fun. It's really awesome and uh, I enjoy it the more and more I play it and, and I think that I prefer it more to this. So I only played the one Souls type game but I think I prefer the more actiony element to the the soul series uh so it's it's been it's been good i've been enjoying it i will say though bo Mm -hmm. um that i've been sort of going through these games of last year that were in the game of the year discussion so the game of year discussion last year was essentially bloodborne witcher 3 metal gear solid 5 fallout 4 those Maybe Rocket League. Those were the games that were everybody was sort of talking about c- come time at the end of the year. You know that I was going off on The Witcher 3. Hey, Witcher 3 is so good. I love The Witcher 3 so good. I, I went on for a long time, but I hadn't played any of the other games since that time. So I'm playing these games, and I'm enjoying them for what they are. But at the part of my brain in the background is sort of comparing them to these other sort of finalists. Haven't yet played Fallout 4. I own it and it's on my list, but it's it's a, obviously a big time commitment. I have now played Metal Gear Solid 5 and now I've played enough of Bloodborne and I really enjoy Bloodborne. But mm-hmm. I gotta say, these games like it is they're not even in the same league as The Witcher 3. Like The Witcher 3 is the king of of the Kong, the top dog. And like these, these games are all good at what they do and they're all enjoyable games. But I mean, I I really don't understand how people were with a straight face. were having discussions about, Oh, maybe metal gear solid is it? No, I'm sorry. It's It's the Witcher three. It's clearly that much better. I mean, it's, it's like, I don't know. And you're saying it's not subjective. You're saying on, on scales, like even though you haven't gone and actually defined it yourself and measured it, you're saying on an objective scale, like, you know, this game. Yes. I'm saying on an objective scale, it's fucking amazing and way better than these other games. (laughs) Like if you, if you had. Sounds uh, very subjective. If you had an orange sherbet. You'd be like, mm, this orange sherbet is really delicious. Uh-huh. But then if you had like a chocolate Hagen dazs you'd be like, holy shit, this chocolate Hagen dazs is the money. Chocolate Hagen dazs is way better than any sherbet. It is, it is way better. Objectively, it is way better. But if you had that orange <laughs> sherbet in a void, you'd be like, wow, this orange sherbet is really good. Uh-huh. So all, all I'm just saying is like, like the Witcher is the Hagen dazs here, and all the other ones. 
maybe they're briars. I don't know. They're not maybe not Sherbert. But bottom line is they're they're not they're not as they're not as good or they're not as ambitious for one. And they the the story and and the world uh, are not as compelling. And the world of Bloodborne is very compelling. It, and it's interesting how they slow feed the the uh, the story components of it. Uh, and and so I and I find that stuff is interesting. And I find the art style is interesting. And I find the gameplay is fun. And and it's a great it's a great game. I just felt that like I feel comfortable at the point I am in the game saying it is just not as good as the Witcher as the Witcher three, although they are totally different games in many ways, even though in both games you're playing monster hunters. Yeah. But you're enjoying bloodborne. Like, you know, at the end of, at the end of this, it's not Witcher three <laughs> point of criticism. It's actually, it's fun. You're still uh, yeah. It, I just want, I just wanted to mention that now because I don't want to spend, I know that I'm going to be talking about bloodborne next episode. Uh, I'll probably maybe have started and charted at that point as well, but this is a long game and it it does it deals with a lot of backtracking. I know I mentioned this last time, but just to repeat, Bo, there are save points like where you teleport to the hub world, mm-hmm. and when you teleport to the hub world, all the enemies respawn, and uh, and then so if you die, uh, you will start at the at the the save point, but. You lose all XP that you haven't spent on leveling up your character or on buying items. You have to get back to your body uh, and, yeah. and recover it, much like you did in old MMOs and stuff. Uh, and and the suspense around that, when the the save points are spaced out so far, is is very like like when you die sometimes you can. Because if you die again trying to recover your body, then that first body is lost. All the XP that you gained is lost. So many times you can be repeating the same territory over and over and you can be dying and you can be losing all the XP that you had. You can lose – you can have spent like an hour and a half of play time just gone out the window and those – that's – it's honestly super infuriating when that happens but for the most part i'm really good so it doesn't happen too often to me uh however i i will say that that when when playing bloodborne it takes a long time and so the game is long but it's also long to play because you're retracking the the same areas over and over and over so i mean it, i'm i know i'm going to be playing it for quite a bit longer and i know it's not going to be that bloodborne beats me from being too hard but what may just happen is the game may be so long that a new sexiness like uncharted 4 will come out and i may just switch to that and never go back you know i could see that happening yeah i think that's what happened to me i tried demon souls 1 or 2 and I get what I do here. I just go over and over until I get it. Anyways, uh, there's some other game calling my attention. Hmm. All right. Well, um, I'm sort of looking forward to to you playing something new too. So one thing I will say about you talking about Bloodborne is that it it's it's really just all about the challenge. Like that's the main thing to talk about is like how difficult it is and how you know. I it's it's interesting because you play games like um you play games like Diablo or. Uh, 
you know, Hearthstone. That, and we've talked about this before about those dopamine hits and all that. Games that essentially are playing you at the same time that you're playing them. And, and, and you're attracted to these games. Like you're like, oh, maybe I should get a console because I could play Destiny and get that sweet dopamine hit there or whatever. Like, I mean, that you, you know, you know yourself in that way. And the reason people talk about the challenge in Bloodborne and all that is because Bloodborne is another one of those types of games, except it's different in that way. Like when you unlock a shortcut that allows you to get back to the save point fast, faster, like when you find that door and you open it and you see the save point on the other side and you're like, oh shit, this all just connects back to there. And like now I will never have to trek all the way through yeah. this area yeah. again. The feeling you have, like, and sometimes you'll get tight in the shoulders. You'll be walking around, you'll be tight in the shoulders, and then all of a sudden you'll you'll hit a save point, or you'll 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 do something, or you'll just survive death, and you'll drink the healing potion and fill up, and you'll just you'll just feel your your shoulders drop and be like, oh god, something awesome just happened. So you're going your your body is going through all these sort of emotions, similar but different to the ones that you'd be going through in in other games. It's like those that. It, it it creates that oh my god feeling that Indiana Jones probably gets running away from the boulder and then when he escapes and grabs his hat and it's just like oh, I did it it's that you get that feeling and that's why you can't get away from talking about that stuff. Yeah, no, I can, I definitely get uh, I definitely get what you've just explained about the game there. I don't have much to share on terms of playing games. I played Heroes of the Storm. Speaking of dopamine hits, I love hearing that I killed somebody sound. Uh, <laughs> that's uh the dopamine hits in that game are strong uh, do you still play hearthstone at all no i've kind of um hearthstone's taken a back seat like the thing about a lot of these blizzard games is that uh i don't know they cannibalize you, each other well almost. if you really like one you end up spending most of your time you have one that's a primary i i feel like to get the value from extended play like you play the diablo campaign it's done but there are these people who just play nothing but Diablo who are trying to beat the leaderboard stuff and they've got to play every day and, and you know that's they're fun and, and you I, mentioned the seasons in Diablo yeah before. And there's the seasons like so it's just like they might play Warcraft or other games but they come back to that one same with Hearthstone players there are people who play Hearthstone there's other games they try them for a day they're back in Hearthstone right um, I think Hearthstone, uh, Heroes is my game like for out of the, all their IPs that's the one I like the most and I've been in the Overwatch beta and I, you know, on the balance of things, I prefer Heroes. But Overwatch yeah. is amazing, and I can't wait till it launches, and I can't wait to play with you because I think you'll you'll enjoy this game. Um, but it's, and I and I think I can Overwatch fit those games simple. in. It's it's very simple though. It's just you know, it's a ten minute match and whatever. There isn't much in terms of, you know, unless well, you're really into playing that game every day and doing the same game mode all the time. There isn't much to it, so. Well, I didn't I didn't put it on here, but like I've also played Rocket League because yeah. Rocket League is essentially my I don't know Heroes of the Storm sure. or my yeah. whatever. You log in and create a couple games, like and- yeah, and I, and I pop a couple of games down because I know that over Bloodborne is a commitment. Like I need an, at least an hour. It's less of a commitment than The Witcher, probably. But it like when I sit down, I'm like I I need to, uh, a certain amount of time, otherwise it's not worth it, right? Yeah. Like we're gonna finish this podcast tonight, and I'll probably have a little bit of gaming time, but I'm, it won't be enough for me to feel like I can invest myself into Bloodborne. I'll probably end up playing Rocket League. So if Overwatch becomes my quote unquote new Rocket League for a while, I mean that's I could totally see that happening because it works in that same sort of ten minute game window, you know. Yeah. 
No, I totally, I totally get that. So I, I don't have that game. I think right now the Banner Saga Two is going to be that game for me. Although I'm sure it's not that long, but that's going to be my non-heroes game. I think for it'll be your single, single player. So, uh, well, how are we doing on time right now? Um, well, we've been going at it now for 58 minutes. Maybe going at it's not the right. 58 minutes. Yeah. So let's, uh, let's uh, we... put a lid on this section of the show and say, you know, we've been playing games and it's good but we have a dialogue tree that do know, we want to save it for another time or um what do you think i'm feeling i don't know i'm feeling That's like a maybe big we conversation see- that we're gonna uh, have in yeah there. And-, and we haven't we haven't teased it yet and i feel like it's it's it is a big one and i i feel like giving it its due it's time it's funny because I-, I feel like you're kind of like Oh man, I want to play Bloodborne. <laughs> Tonight you just talked about how you might not have time. You to know, I, t- I started to feel like playing Bloodborne. I'm like, oh, I can play it right now. I just thought t- this week was a slow news week, so I put this really big and meaty discussion topic in the dialogue tree. I'm I'm teasing people right now because they're not going to know what it is until no, I, uh, I, until next time. But I'd rather. That's why I wanted to do a time check because I don't want to shortchange that topic. Yeah, um, we talked a lot about the news this week. I think we're good. All right, yeah, so I let us move over. to inventory management. All right. Where- oh. Inventory management is a challenging and inexact science. I'll let you finish sure, so- that. Yeah, sometimes you're so fast with those buttons. I keep expecting you to be I, be slow. That's why I talk so long. I'm yeah, like, I oh. don't want there to be a pregnant pause. I'm trying to like, sit. you know, it's crazy. Like on Conan and like Jimmy Kimmel and stuff like that. Like how they got to cue those things on the right exact time. Someone that band's got to start going nuts playing music. It's a hard yeah. job. All I got to do is push a button. I get it wrong like all the freaking time. <laughs> <laughs> That's why we don't pay you. Um. Okay. So my recommendation for the week is um, this game called Enslave Odyssey to the West. Now, we are at a point in the show where whenever I make a recommendation, I think, did I recommend this before? And I'm I'm not sure, Bo, you're nodding your head. Do you know if I've recommended this before? No, I don't believe you have. I don't think we've talked about this game before. But I'm nodding my head because, yes, listener, we aren't smart enough to keep a list of what we did before, so we've got no idea. I know. Um, and, like, I have my break glass in case of emergency once. I feel like I've done, like, Red Dead Redemption, all those. I've done those ones. And really, the idea of recommendation partly is to to delve into games that maybe you wouldn't find otherwise. Now, Enslaved got attention, um, I think it was last year, because it got a really belated PC port. So it's available on Steam. Um, But what it is, is it's one of these sort of like, it's made by Ninja Theory, who I'm a a big fan of. They make cinematic. I I like the name Ninja Theory, like. Yeah, like they make, there's a school of a body of knowledge that's theoretical, made by ninjas. By, of <laughs> about course, how to walk silently and stuff. And anyway. uh, Ninja Theory is is known for like in many ways like Naughty Dog, um, story heavy third person action games, um, and uh, Enslaved is one of those that really flew under the radar. But when it came out on the PS3, Xbox 360 generation. It had what I would consider pimpin' graphics for that 
that time. Um, really well done character models. And the story, uh, it's a science fiction story set in sort of a dystopic uh, future, but yet with bright colors were sort of similar world to The Last of Us in many ways, except except further in the future, post-post-apocalyptic almost. Yeah. And um, the main character you play, Monkey, is like, is really dexterous, can pull all sorts of moves, and then you have this other character with with you at all times, and the the relationship between the two of them and other characters uh, in the world is is really good. The story keeps you pushing forward. It's a game that my wife watched from beginning to end, which is I can't say about uh, all games. So if you, it's it's sort of like the perfect rental back when you would rent games. Like you'll 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 plow through it in a weekend. Uh, but uh, but then it'll leave a it'll leave a good impression that every once in a while you'll be like oh I should dig that out again so definitely a uh, a hidden gem I would suggest getting the PC version is probably the most accessible version the other ones uh, you may find at a bargain bin in, uh, in uh, EB Games or something like that GameStop but yeah enslaved Odyssey to the West my recommendation for the week okay and there's a re- I wanted to play a sound there but we don't have a sound just like a bing or how about a Damn it, I don't have anything quick. How about, uh... Kids relish their victory and their bloody choice. Should they pull out their... That's not... That's totally fail. Anyways. That's why we don't pay you. (laughs) I never asked for this. All right. um, My recommendation... (laughs) My recommendation this week... I'm also breaking glass in case of emergency for my recommendation. Not to break down the fourth wall too much, dear listeners, but... um, I am recommending a game that I have sunk way too many hours in and way too many hours consecutively, and that's Civilization V. I know I haven't recommended this game yet because this is one of those things that it's so obvious. Why would I ever recommend? Like, I just feel like I've always recommended it, but I realize that I haven't. And so I'm going to take this opportunity to say that Civilization V is an incredible game. It's like a board game, but it's not. And yet it's a turn-based game, so it really the fact that it's a video game is like insane but if you i like to play these games on marathon that's 15 1500 turns at marathon length with an epic map with like as many ai people as possible um so like i think it's like 18 (coughs) enemy players or 17 and a bunch of city states the game is amazing and goodbye week because i spend my whole week just next turning next turning get home from work next turning next turning trying to come to the conclusion of, of a civilization, basically, which is sort of the coolest part about it is you start in, you know, BC times being like sucky-ass little civilization and grow to like a world-dominant power with a UN and a space program and cultural things and you even get death robots because it does go into the future a little bit. Um, real cool stuff. A really fun game. I, I, I didn't get into it until Civilization Five. I didn't play any of its predecessors. Yeah, because that's that's the thing. And with that one, is is there's a lot of people that will harp on different ones as being the best one, you know, or whatever. Yeah. I think five though has had some legs. Like a lot of people now point to it as the best with the two expansions, because expansions in that game are like not really additional content. They just change up the game. Like the big one from the religion expansion was they added religion. And they added some new civilizations and some new pieces, but there's no like new continent or new thing to do. It literally just made it more complicated, but and but also fixed things. It's really weird and really amazing. It's so much fun. 
It is interesting because you're you're right to say that it, it is like a board game, and uh, it's a board game that you can play single player. Almost, if somebody was a huge board game fan, they might like no video games except Civilization. And I do find it interesting how there hasn't been that many virtual board games that have been successful to the extent Civilization has been. You know, like a a game that that could only be done in video game form, but is kind of a board game. Because that's what it is. I feel like Civilization, I feel like people, I know I do, I feel like I'm smart when I play that game. Where like most board games are like, I don't know, you're shoot aliens or, you know, I don't know, do a thing that's still like, I could just play a video game of this. But this game's kind of like, you know, there's Gandhi and, you know, uh, uh, Napoleon, like there's historical figures and you're participating in like history kind of, but not really. You really aren't learning anything, but you feel smart playing it. It's funny you yeah. mentioned that because I dislike civilization, not yeah. because of anything other than the fact that it makes me feel like an idiot. But, uh, <laughs> but, but like when people are talking about games and they're like, oh, civilization is fi- five is so good. Like I was talking, there's a guy I found out at work that um, I did a video game podcast and he was like, oh, you do. Do you ever talk about um, – and I, I know this guy and I know his personality and right, stuff. Right. And he was waiting to fin- – he was just looking for a word to finish his sentence. And I was like, civilization? He's like, yes, civilization. <laughs> I'm like, fuck no. And, and, uh, he, he, every Saturday morning, he plays a bit of civilization. Nice. It's like he wakes up early and that's his Saturday morning that's thing. That's awesome. Every morning he plays like, you know, an hour or something or whatever of civilization. And it's like his weekly thing that he looks forward to. And honestly, I don't begrudge civilization that. And I think that like if people can know video games for one game, I prefer that they would know them for civilization than Grand Theft Auto. Um, But but I just never it just I tried. I own five. I just can't get into it. You know, no, it's it's it's. You you have to be that that you have to have that nerd stripe like yeah it's not that I don't have like that it, nerd but there's stripe. A, there's a there's a particular nerd gene where like you look at a game like Civ and like your your wee wee moves a little you know you're just like oh man yeah. <laughs> you're like I'm really excited about all these statistics and like icons representing resources and I know and trade I know. routes and like it is like some people are like oh my god shoot I'm me. like who who do I headshot here. Oh. <laughs> So, yeah. yeah, it's uh, developer. So that's my recommendation. So if you're that type of nerd, if by now you're hearing this and it sounds like you want to like commit ritual suicide, then don't 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 buy it. Don't commit ritual suicide. Whatever. I dislike Civilization, and even I'm telling you to buy it. You should buy it just so people see it on your Steam list and are like, "Oh, he's a smart person." <laughs> Zero point one hours played. <laughs> that's that's why I own it. Here, let me check how many hours played. Maybe I left it on one time to sort of buff up my hours, but I'm pretty sure that I I don't have any hours in it. Uh, so Bo, how many hours do you have in Civilization? I think in the two hundred range or three hundred. Oh man! And all game time, I don't leave that game open. That thing call—it's a siren song for me. Huh. Planet Side, I've left open a few times because when you just had the launcher up, it actually counts hours. It's somebody civil. It's not just called Civilization Five, right? It's—is it Sid Meier? No. Sid, yeah, it's Sid Meier Civilization Five. You have to look for it under S. Oh yeah, Sid Meier Civilization. It's, it's an auteur game. So I've played four hours. Wow, that's, that's longer than I thought, actually. 
No, I tried to start. That's two two-hour sessions or where I've tried to get into it, and I've just been unsuccessful. But that said, if you should try to get into it because you're probably, dear listener, smarter than I am, and uh, it's a good game. I know it's a good game. It's just not my jam. So I have 234 hours on record. On record. On, well, that's what it says here on Steam. It says on record. The only two games above that are Planetside 2, 585 hours. Good mm-hmm. Lord. And Warframe at 261. I didn't realize I'd played that much Warframe. Yeah, I remember that. And I would I would mention, dear listeners, that it, lucky for Bo, Steam doesn't track his Blizzard games. Yeah, but there's still <laughs> ways of finding that stuff out. We talked about oh. this on the, on the recent core, actually, because we, we came up how many games I've played. So I've played... 4,100 and something games of Heroes of the Storm. So that works out to be roughly, I think, 60 days solid, like 20, 60, 24 hour days or something like that. Oh like, my God. Yeah. Oh my God. I've played a lot I'm of cry- Heroes. I'm crying inside. Okay. You, if you want to cry inside as well, you could uh, reach us at exmpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear what you're playing, what your thoughts are on any topics we've discussed. We would read your mail on air unless you don't want us to, in which case we would still do it. No, I'm just kidding. We won't, but we might. Um, you could also visit our website, exmpodcast.com. Find all the episodes, the 30 plus episodes of this fantastic video game show at exmpodcast is our uh, whatever the Twitter names are, it's at EXM Podcast for us. Um, Facebook.com slash EXM Podcast. If you like us, you'll figure out whenever there is a new EXM Podcast. Plus, all your friends will know you have great taste. Twitch.tv slash EXM Podcast is where we live stream generally Sunday evenings. Um, we tweet out when we are going to uh, live stream. So be sure to follow us on Twitter at EXM Podcast. Also, we have a sister show. It's called Good, Bad, or Bullshit. It's pretty good as well because we're both on it. Goodbadbull.com is where you can go to find all the episodes. And, of course, Bo Schwartz and I are both individuals of individual natures. And uh, you can follow us individually on the interweb. Bo, where can they follow you? You can follow me at Bo Schwartz on Twitter. That's where you can find me. And you can follow me at Crofted Steers on Twitter. So, uh, yeah, we used our real names. How about them apples? So, with all that said, we will now close our show in the way that we love to do, which is with a quote from the video game uh, of our choice, and Bo is going to choose it this week in a segment we call Master Game Theater. It's now time for Master Game Theater. Yep, this Master Game Theater. Crofton set that up so well that like, I feel like I don't have anything more to say except uh, today's quote this week. Um, actually, you should set it up. Are you going to do this quote or am I? No, you're totally going to do this quote. Um, okay. Have you so... seen this, first of all? No. Okay. You should, by the way. Oh, okay. Uh, I, so... It's for a game that's not even released no, no, yet. No, but there is a f- animated short available on the internet for free called Alive. For Overwatch, and it's a total movie. It's got nothing to do with the game, except it says the characters in the world. How long is it? Uh, six, seven minutes. 
it's a, it's I could be playing Bloodborne. <laughs> That's like one when, Rocket when League you're match. On the bus or something like that. You just like you know you can watch it. It's real good. It's good animation. So, so yeah, yeah. Well, I noticed that our intro trailer of Overwatch was like you likened it to like a Pixar thing or whatever. They they and if they have all these assets from Titan and stuff, I'm sure they got a lot of this stuff yeah. coming. So so anyway, this animated short. There is a quote in it. Bo is going to be delivering that quote. He is going to give you more context over who is speaking. Yeah, it's Widowmaker. And we actually don't know much about her, except that she, I think, works She's for a girl. Group. She's a girl. She has a great butt. And she works for an organization known as Talon. And um, she's usually at odds with Tracer. And at least in the short, it's definitely a little fight between her and Tracer. She's trying to assassinate a um a monk a omnic monk and omnics are the robot people and what's really cool actually as, as a quick sidetrack in this trailer there's a human lady and a male robot that look like they're in a relationship together like in the crowd they're like holding each other's hands like they're in love there's kind of this crazy sort of story going on with this overwatch world it's cool um robot and human love man it's real anyways i'm gonna it's the, it's the closing lines of this trailer for overwatch and i thought this trailer was pretty good and i wanted to do, do the thing all right so set me up, Mr. Crofton. All right. Without further ado, thank you, everyone, for listening to this episode of the exclamation mark. And now I give you Bo Schwartz as a Widowmaker. When I was a girl, I had the fear of spiders. I was told they felt no emotion, that their hearts never beat. But I know the truth. At the moment of the kill, they are never more alive. <laughs> mix of French Quebecer accent plus Russian, but also definitely a, a grizzled man who's drinking a lot of vodka. When I was a girl, I had the fear of spider. Yeah, I really, whatever.